Well, good morning, North Star. Thank you so much for taking time out of your schedules to join us. We know summer is here. Some of you are probably watching on the balcony at the beach. We love you in spite of that, but we're really glad you tuned in this morning. Maybe you're sitting at a ballpark, Lake Point, or a ball field in Alabama, or Florida, but you're tuning in in your car, or sitting in the bleachers this morning. Thanks for doing that. Many of you are here in your houses. It means the world. Wherever you're watching from today, know this, you honor us with your presence. And I know from literally a good friend of mine in Arizona, Coach Brian Lang, that's tuning in this morning to Roy and Peggy Pippen in Woodstock, to Ken and Beth Melton in Destin, Florida, to Ken and Ann Sweeney, or, jo- or Eric Parada. Eric was baptized here a few years ago, and today he's tuning in on his birthday. But we are so glad you took time to be with us. You know, Jeffrey referenced last Sunday. Last Sunday was, a, to me, a pivotal conversation for the future of not just North Star, but of our community. And it was a powerful time. If you didn't catch it, I do hope you'll go back and watch that. But it was a powerful time to sit down with some other amazing leaders and not solve anything, but open a dialogue. And I thought it was a lot of fun. And I want to tell you this, before, literally before I left the building last Sunday, I had over 100 texts, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, message. Didn't include the emails. Those are just notes that popped in my phone before I left here last Sunday. And they were all people going, yes, this is what God has called us to here at North Star. And that's one of the reasons I love this church so much. That you truly believe that when we say we want to welcome people home, we want to welcome people of all races, of all types, of all. We want North Star to be that place. And because you give, you help make that happen. You know, even during these crazy few weeks we've been in, I guess the past couple months, you guys have continued to give. And because of that, you've allowed us to continue ministry and continue reaching out and moving the ball down the field of the gospel. Thank you for doing that. So today, if you want to give, you can go to northstarchurch.org slash give. There you also have a give tab that's up there, and those things can help you, or many of you mail your check-in or drop it by. Ever how you give, thank you, because you help us make a difference in this community. Well, last Sunday, we began this new series called Fruit of the Spirit. Let me tell you where this comes from. So John 15, Jesus talks about abiding in him right? And when we abide in him, when we walk with him, when we are attached to him, there is fruit that comes out of our lives. He said, I am the vine and you are the branches. And and because you're a branch and you're attached, you receive fruit that he produces through your life. It's not anything you do. So these things we're going to talk about, we're going to read that Paul says, these aren't things that you, oh, you grit it out, you work it up, you, you do your part. Man, if I could just grind a little harder, right, I'll, I'll achieve these things. In fact, we said this, this series is called Fruit of the Spirit, Receive, Not Achieve. This is not about achieving. This is about when we walk with the Lord, when we walk hand in hand with Jesus, every day we walk in step with him. Here are the things that come out of our lives. And Paul says this in Galatians 5. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit, love, we talked about that last week, 
joy. You know, Jeffrey referenced, we just talked about this the other week. And the beauty of it is, when you walk in step with the Lord, he gives you something. Listen, your circumstances say you shouldn't have. Your circumstances say you shouldn't feel. Remember, joy and happiness. Joy is a joy is a thermostat. You say, this is where I live. Happiness is up here, down here. Baseball's coming back. Oh, that was a fake tweet. All right, baseball's not going back, right? So that's happiness here and here. Joy says, I've set my spirit inside me to walk with the Lord. And in the middle of mess and confusion and strife, I can have joy. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Would you pray with me? Right where you are this morning, no matter where you're tuning in or watching from, would you just ask the Lord today to show you what it looks like? have joy and just right where you are this morning would you just say Jesus I want joy in my life I don't want to be driven by the news cycle I want joy for my relationship with you Father speak to us teach us show us what you have for us that we can't achieve, but we can receive. Father, we give you permission to walk in our lives and do your work. And I pray this now in Jesus' name, amen. Well, today, Acts chapter 13 is where we're gonna camp out this morning. Acts 13, we pick up the story of the early church. So the Jesus has died, right? And he's been resurrected and now he's gotten his disciples and their followers to go out and begin this journey of walking with the Lord. And we know that they were persecuted and the word began to spread. And we picked them up today in a city called Antioch. Antioch was the third largest city in the Roman Empire. And Paul and Barnabas are there preaching and teaching about the Lord. Now, it, it wasn't like they were throwing them a welcome home parade, all right? It's like, oh, Paul and Barnabas, woohoo! come tell us about this man named Jesus. That was not what was happening. There was lots of threats. There was lots of violence. There was lots of persecution. Acts chapter 13, pick up reading verse 44. Ready? The following week, and I love the way Luke writes this, almost the entire city turned out to hear them preach the word of the Lord. So Paul and Barnabas, this, this story of who Jesus was, they've never heard any of the people have never heard anything like this before. But when some of the Jews saw the crowds, they were jealous, they were filled up, literally it means with jealousy, and they slandered Paul and argued against whatever he said. So no matter what Paul said, they would refute it. So what does that feel like? It feels like being a parent of a teenager at times, right? And so no matter what you say, well, that's not. And there's a, a, a refutation going on. But here's the deal. They were speaking against him loudly. So Paul, this, this one who used to be like them that now has had this incredible experience and now he's following the Lord, he is preaching. And look at what it says. Then Paul and Barnabas, who was with him, 
Barnabas, the son of encouragement, spoke out, I love this word, I want you to circle it. I circled it in my notes, boldly. The more the slander came, the bolder they got. Now that's interesting. Because if they were there for the happiness of the people and for the reception they received, they would have been doing this. But no, 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 no. They spoke out boldly and they declared it was necessary that we first preach the word of God to you Jews. So that's what they've been doing. They had been in town speaking to the Jews. But since you've rejected it, and you've judged yourselves unworthy of eternal life, we will then offer it to the Gentiles. All right, let's pause here real quick. If you don't know the story of what's going on, basically there's a a fire burning against Paul and Barnabas, and people are mad about them being there preaching, and now they said, well, if you're not gonna listen and you Jews aren't gonna listen, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna offer this opportunity to know the living Lord to the Gentiles. It was like pouring gas on an already burning fire. Now it's raging because Jews and Gentiles did not coexist well, right? The Jews thought they basically had the the, the rights to God for themselves. And Paul is saying, listen, you are saying no to this opportunity. Well, he has sent us to deliver it to the Gentiles. And I'm telling you, it was the most polarizing comment that could have been made. And now the fires really begin to burn against Paul and Barnabas. Look at what he says. For the Lord gave us this command when he said, I've made you a light to the Gentiles to bring salvation to the farthest corners of the earth. So, they begin to quote the prophet Isaiah, which makes them even matter, right? So when they're already mad, just make them matter. And now they quote Isaiah and say, this is why we've come to do this. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were very glad and they thanked the Lord for his message and all who were chosen for eternal life became believers. So these Gentiles begin now to follow the Lord. Why is that a big deal? Probably because the majority of you that hear my voice this morning, you're Gentiles, If this day does not happen, you and I may not be sitting where we're sitting. And these Gentiles then begin to spread the gospel where they all went. So the Lord's message spread throughout the region, the Roman Empire. It begins to spread. It's phenomenal. Then the Jews stirred up influential religious women. So you want to make something happen? Get the ladies stirred up. And the ladies get stirred up. And look at what happened. And the leaders of the city, and they incited a mob against Paul and Barnabas. And they, get this, ran them out of town. I've had some bad speaking engagements where nobody laughed at jokes and nobody seemed to engage with my stories. But I've never been run out of town. They ran them out of town. So you would think... Paul and Barnabas and the other believers had their tails between their legs. So they shook the dust from their feet as a sign of rejection, and they went to the town of Iconium. They shook the dust off and just said, you know what? We're not going to let it stop us. And the believers, this is a powerful statement, were filled with, if you were sitting in the room with me today, I would say filled with what? Joy. They were filled with joy. And with the Holy Spirit. How in the world 
in the middle of strife, in the middle of madness, do we find ourselves filled with joy? We find ourselves filled with joy. Listen, I want you to write this down and we're going to dive in our notes. When we walk with him daily. That's abiding. Walking with him daily. Not doing it on our own, not doing it in our power, not doing it in our strength, but walking with him. See, we pastors have done a very good job making this really complicated because you got to come back every week. But let me uncomplicate it for you. It's not how many books you read. It's not how much of the Bible you've memorized. It's not uh, how many seminars you've attended. You know what it is? It's that obedient walk daily with the Lord. Mike, I want those fruits to be evident in my life. Okay, here's the challenge. Walk with him every day. See, these people evidently for Paul and these other believers and Barnabas and these new believers, disciples, they weren't being driven by the circumstances. They were being driven by joy in spite of the circumstances. Well, how do we do that? Principle number one. Ready? They surrendered to God's purposes. See, something happens when we begin to walk with him every day. We surrender to his purposes. You and I cannot side by side walk with him every day and choose what we want to do. No, we begin to choose what he wants us to do. You could write this down. Maybe this is the phrase you're familiar with, the will of God, right? You know what the will of God is? It's exactly what God created you to do. If you knew all the facts, it's exactly what he created you to do. Look at what they said. For the Lord gave us this command when he said, I have made you a light to the Gentiles to bring salvation to the farthest corners of the earth. They knew, get this, they knew they were doing exactly what God had called them to do. See, there is a power, I want you to write this whole thought down, there is a power that comes in purpose. There's a power that comes in purpose. They surrendered to God's purposes. One of the greatest events that will happen in all of our lives is when we make two surrenders. One surrender is when we surrender to Christ for that first time. Some of you may have done it as teenagers. Some of you may have done it this spring watching online, right? But we surrender to Christ. But the next surrender isn't a one-time deal. I want you to write down this little thought, ready? It is a daily surrender to God's best. So I'm 51. I got saved. I came to know Christ at 14. It wasn't a one-time surrender. Last week, I'm having to daily surrender to what he has, not what I think is best. Does that make sense to everybody? It's a big deal. I surrender over and over and over because my, my pride wants to do it my way. It's not God's best. He wants me to do it his way. These guys said, I know that I have been made to be a light to the Gentiles. Even though the Jews, we brought it to them first and they rejected us, I know he sent us to the Gentiles. Principle number two, ready? They serve the needs of others. I want you to write down this little thought under number two. Your purpose is always tied to others. 
If you walk in step with the Spirit and you are abiding in Christ, you will realize this powerful fact, your life is not about you. Your life will be about others. One of the greatest evidences of fruit in our lives is others, right? Look at, look at what it said. When the Gentiles heard this, they were very glad and they thanked the Lord for the message and all who were chosen for eternal life became believers. So the Lord's message spread throughout the region. Paul and Barnabas knew they had been sent there to bless the needs of others. I don't know how many men, and I've probably talked to definitely more men than ladies when they're going through hard times. One of the greatest things I tell guys when, you're, when you've hit a rut, Mike, what can I do to get out of this rut? Serve somebody else. Isn't it funny how we can make the spotlight all about us and our troubles and our travails and our stuff and our eyes get locked inward, not outward? See, part of, part of this fruit of joy being our lives, our lives will be about blessing others. That's why we haven't met in person. Ministry hasn't stopped. Why? Because it's about others. It's not about us. It's about those that don't know yet, right? I mean, that's the deal. We will always attach to the needs of others. I want you to write this little thought down. Through the needs of others, you find real joy. See, happiness comes when we get our bonus. Happiness comes when we get our promotion. Happiness comes when we move neighborhoods. Happiness comes from getting a new car or a new truck. Happiness comes from going on vacation. And all of those things are awesome, wonderful things, but they're all temporary, right? The car gets old, the house gets expensive, vacation comes to an end, all those things. But joy comes from doing something for someone who can't do anything in return for you. That's joy. Why? Because... It's not about you. One of the reasons we all, I told Ann last week, I said, I've missed going on a mission trip, knowing I'm going on a mission trip this year, because there is something cathartic and therapeutic about serving those who have zero ability to bless us back. Financially, give us a gift. They have nothing. Last year we were in the Dominican Republic, literally out in the fields, hours from a city, and you are there and you go, they're great people. They just don't have stuff, but a lot of them have joy. And it, it's good for us, right? Comes from serving the needs of others. Finally, number three, and this is, this is a big one. This is not something we usually think about with joy. They shook off the joy stealers. They shook them off. Jesus did the same thing. If you go through the, the gospels, Daniel and I were having this conversation the other day. There are toxic people. We have to shake the dust off our feet and move on. Look at what it said. And they shook the dust from their feet as a sign of rejection, and they went to the town of Iconium. They did not let others rob their joy. Ladies and gentlemen, there are joy stealers in life. Okay, this sounds really bad. They're not always outside the church. They're not always pagans. Sometimes there are those inside the church. And they see your joy 
of what God is doing and they want to rob that joy because it's not what they would do. It's not how they would do it. It's not how they would prescribe it. It's not how they would take care of it. And they come and try to rob that joy. You could also call them critics, right? Critics. They are those that that uh, come against us when we're trying to go back to the Old Testament. Nehemiah had critics. David had critics. Abraham had critics. Noah had critics. You go, any great character of Scripture had joy stealers that said, no, 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 you've missed God's best. Come down off the wall and let me, t- let me fill you in on why you're missing God's best. Shake the dust off your feet. So, we were telling the story the other day of North Star and beginning. And, and you know, we've sort of rosied up the story a little bit. It's, it sounds really polished up. Let me take you back to the early days. When this church started, it was not popular. Ann and I lost some friendships for a season from people. The people that used to have an 8 by 10 glossy of Mike Lynch on their desk Many of them took it down forever because I, I had come here and they didn't think we needed another church in town. And it wasn't lost people. These were church people. And they didn't think we needed another church in town. And they said some pretty ugly stuff about us. And they talked about, you know, that we don't teach the Bible. And they said, it was, it was hard. It was a hard, I am a people. All right, let, me let you know. I really like when people are happy and I really don't like when people are upset and I really get hurt when they say mean things about me. But that was that season from really October, November of 96 through probably summer of 97. That's how long some of that lasted. But here's the crazy part about it. And I think Ann would say this if she were up here with me. In the middle of all that, what we don't like, people ringing my doorbell to come say, I've, I need to ask your forgiveness because I've said some mean stuff about you. Even in the middle of what normally would be a unhappy time, which it was in parts, we had joy because we knew we were doing what God had called us to do. And I remember our first baptism, we had 72 people baptized one night. And I remember driving home going, we're doing exactly what God called us to do. In spite of the critics, in spite of the joy stealers, in spite of all the stuff, we found joy. Hadn't always been that way, but I know it wasn't that season. See, I don't know what you're walking through today. If, if you would have told me, March the 6th, hey, y'all aren't going to meet live in person till July the 12th. I'd have gone, oh, that is going to be the worst thing ever. And you know what all of us have found in the middle of this? If we walk with the Lord, we found some joy, didn't we? Because it's not about achieving the biggest Easter in the history of North Star. It's not... It's about that consistent daily walk with Christ where we go, he's working in spite of what our circumstances say. Life's going to be full of these. Life's going to be full of these. It's coming Saturday night. I'll stand at the altar with a young couple and I'll make a statement. I'll say, you are beginning a new chapter 
as a husband and wife, you are closing your individual chapters and you're beginning a new chapter together. And there are going to be some really, really, really good days. And there's going to be some really, really, really bad days. It's just fact. It's just the way it works. Joy says, whether here or here, I know God's got me. I love how Rick Warren said it. And I say this to close today. Rick said, joy is the settled assurance that God is in control of all the details of my life. The quiet confidence that ultimately everything is going to be all right and the determined choice to praise God in every situation. You can't achieve it. But if you walk with him daily, you can receive it. Would you pray with me? Maybe you're watching in this morning and you go, Mike, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. I don't have one but I want one. Could I lead you in a prayer to meet him today? Could I? It goes like this. Dear Lord Jesus, would you pray that? Dear Lord Jesus, I need you. I know that you live for me. I know that you died for me. And I know that you rose again just for me. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus, and be my personal Lord and Savior today. I want to walk with you daily. That's that first surrender. Maybe you're watching today and you, you go, Mike, I know the Lord, but a lot of times I bow my back and want to do my own thing instead of trusting in Him. Would you just talk to the Lord? Would you just say, man, Mike, my circumstances are anything but great. But I want that fruit of love and that fruit of joy to be true in my life because of my walk with him. Jesus, ultimately, we don't know what to say other than we just want to look like you. I want to respond like you. I want to love like you. And in the highs and in the lows of this life, I want to do what you would do. And that only comes by walking with you daily. Help us be more like you, Jesus. And that is my prayer. And I pray it in Jesus' name.